going to have a reading now taken from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. And Matthew is the first book of the New Testament telling us the life and words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Please keep your Bibles open there. In one of his books, Sir Cliff Richard, the English pop star, shares the following information uh, about himself. He says, I'm not usually in the habit of hanging on to souvenirs and keepsakes. I suppose constant travel makes me a bit of blasé. Besides which, my attic is already groaning under the weight of other assorted junk accumulated over the years. Know what that feels like. One memento I can't bring myself to throw out, though, is an elegant gilt-edged card inviting me to Buckingham Palace, no less, for lunch with the Queen. Well, it isn't every day of the week that I get one of those, and the experience was unforgettable. It was an invitation I couldn't refuse. Well, even if you're not a fan of uh, Sir Cliff Richard, I think you'd have to agree about accepting and keeping such an invitation as that. I think we'd all do the same. But in the Bible's passage today, we're going to consider an invitation which is infinitely greater than even an invitation to meet the king or the queen of our country. It is the Lord Jesus Christ's invitation to you and me in the Bible. And amazingly, we're going to see today, it is an invitation to a relationship with him, a replacement that comes from him, and a rest that he can give us. And without doubt, this is one of the most amazing Bible passages that we could ever, ever consider. Bishop J.C. Ryle said this, he said, there are a few passages in the four Gospels more important than this. These are verses which deserve to be read with special attention. And he's right. Charles Ryrie has said this. He said, through the ages, these verses have been among the most beloved in the New Testament. And Dick Lucas, the man who taught me to preach at London, preaching himself at the Keswick Convention in 1981, said, He who understands these words has found his way to the heart of Christianity. They are the most wonderful words probably ever spoken by the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we have the heart of Christianity brought to your heart and mine. And I fully agree. I think that's why you and I need to study these words together this morning and try and grasp what an amazing invitation is being presented to us here by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then weigh up and consider how we're going to respond to this invitation. Well, the first thing I want you to see is that the Lord Jesus is inviting us to a relationship in verse 28. He says, come 
to me. And these first words, first three words, are a personal invitation to the Lord Jesus Christ. From him to enjoy and enter into a personal relationship with himself. They're not a call to religion. They're not a call to a ritual. But they are a call to a relationship. Come to me, he says. He's inviting all of us to come to him and come through prayer and take him up on this offer. Saying, Lord Jesus, I want to have a real living relationship with you. Because, you know, friends, that's what real Christianity actually is. To be a real Christian is not someone who's been baptized or somebody who takes communion or someone who watches songs of praise. It's not uh, being someone who's been christened even or goes to church or anything like that. A real Christian is someone who has a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that's what Alf and Sandra Tipper found out after going on holiday one year and meeting some Christians who were running a beach mission, a sort of fun day on the beach uh, down in Cornwall. In a leaflet produced by the United Beach Mission, Alf himself tells their story. He says it was the first time we had been to St. Ives and the first time we ever saw a United Beach Mission team. Our two children loved the games and competitions so much that we booked our holidays at St. Ives for the next two years. Sandra has always been religious, but had never known God personally. I wonder if that's like you. Always been religious, but never known God personally. But a team member gave her a John's Gospel, which she read straight through without putting it down. There were tears in her eyes as she realised that Jesus had died on the cross for her. He had taken the punishment for wrongdoing and now she had the chance to start again. In the privacy of our bedroom, she prayed and asked God to forgive her, to take over her life and make her a better person. When we returned home, I soon noticed the change in Sandra. My previous cynicism was waning. But it wasn't until November when at the home of Christian friends we had uh, met on the beach mission that I trusted the Lord Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Now Sandra and I are enjoying a living relationship with God and we love being involved in our local church and are so glad we heard of Jesus who could change our lives. (laughs) And friends that in a nutshell is it. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's why it's called Christianity or Christianity, not churchianity, because it's about a relationship with him. You see, this is how we know God, through the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, if you study your Bible, you'll find that many of the things the Lord Jesus Christ said in these three verses come right out of God the Father's own words in the Old Testament. Come to me, for instance. That was what God said to Moses at Mount Sinai in Exodus chapter 4, verses, uh, verse 12. Come up to me. When he said, I will give you rest, that's a quote from Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. What he said in the next verse about yokes comes from God's words in Hosea chapter 11, verse 4. And when he said, you will find rest for your souls, that was the Lord's message to Israel in Jeremiah 6, verse 16. So you see, everything Jesus was saying and doing was revealing 
God to us. And this is how we come to know God in a real way. Like we sang at the beginning in our first hymn, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. That's how we know him and have a real living relationship with him. But I want to say this, friends. A relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is also what you and I need to go to heaven and not go to hell at the end of our lives. Let me just show you this from the Bible as well. Just turn back with me a few pages to chapter 7 of Matthew. We'll come back to 11 in a moment. But go back to chapter 7. And near the end of chapter 7, verse 21 to 23, has some more powerful words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he's explaining the day of judgment and what it will be like for people on that day. Verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Now notice he's saying here that not merely calling Jesus Lord will get you into heaven. That doesn't make you a Christian. Verse 22, he says, many will say to me on that day, and that's because he's going to be the judge on that day, the Lord Jesus. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Notice it wasn't doing lots of good religious works that Jesus was looking for. It was knowing him personally. I never knew you, is what he said he'll have to say to some people. So, friends, I want to ask you, as we come back to chapter 11, do you know the Lord Jesus in a real personal way? Do you have a relationship with God through him? If not, then listen to his gracious words in this invitation that he's extending to you through the pages of scripture again. He says, come to me, come to me. Charles Spurgeon was a great Baptist preacher in our country. He had a gift for explaining things. I just want to use his words. He said this, to Jesus himself, we must come by a personal trust. Not to doctrine, ordinance or ministry are we to come first, but to the personal saviour. To come to him is the first step. And he entreats us to take it. And I say amen to that. And the Greek literally means come now. So friends, don't waste time. Even while I'm preaching, if you haven't come to Christ, pray now while the sermon is happening. Ask the Lord to be your saviour. Come into that relationship and accept the invitation he's giving. But I want you to see he's also offering an invitation to a replacement in verses 29 and verse 30. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, in our Bible passage, you can see the Lord Jesus is inviting us to take his yoke upon ourselves now what's that all about what does he mean by his yoke well you'll notice in the previous verse that we just looked at uh, it was spoken in its original context to those who were weary and burdened come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest or as the King James version an older translation of, of the English Bible put it those who 
are laboring and heavy laden. And the Lord Jesus is actually talking here about the religious conditions that people were living in back then uh, under Pharisaical Judaism. Uh, In fact, it's a description of how people were feeling under Pharisaical Judaism. They were feeling weary and burdened. And it's a phrase that they would have understood very well because back in those days you had people who were professional burden bearers. The removal men of their day, if you like, or atel as they were called in Hebrew. And they had these men because the streets of many towns and villages were very narrow and inaccessible to, court, to chariots uh, drawn, uh, and carts drawn by animals. So these men would carry huge burdens on their back for money. And although they were very strong, they were often overladen beyond belief. In fact, I have a photo in a book uh, from a man who visited the Holy Land in 1912. And by that time, still not a lot had changed in in the land of Israel uh, by then. And in that book, he shows a picture of an atel, and it's a picture of a man carrying a grand piano on his back. what What a feat that is. And this was the image that Jesus was using of people under Judaism with all its rules and regulations and then extra rules piled on top by the Pharisees, the religious leaders of those days. They were weary and burdened. And their religious leaders, the Pharisees, didn't care about it at all. In fact, in Matthew 23, verse 4, the Lord Jesus said, They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And in Luke 11.46, Jesus didn't just say it about them. He said it directly to them. Jesus replied, and you experts in the law, woe to you. Because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry. And you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. You know, the burden bearers of those days had a workmate who often would come and take the weight for them just for a moment to let them stand up straight and ease their backs or so they could have a drink. But the Pharisees, they would never even do that, as it were, with their laws. They would never help people keep them, but just punish people when they broke them. And it's against that background that Jesus offers an alternative, a replacement, if you like. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's offering us a new method whereby he will actually help us to live God's way. He's offering us to wear his yoke with him. Instead of the burden bearers method that we've just seen, where rules and regulations are piled on us, it's more like the farmer's yoke that he puts on his cattle, that they pull together. You see, unlike the Pharisees, the Lord Jesus is willing to help us to live for God. And just to be clear, we're not talking now here about getting saved. You know, I did my bit and Jesus did hit. No, salvation is by Christ alone on the cross for our sins. This isn't now talking about salvation. This is talking about discipleship. It's about learning to live God's way. And he says he's willing to help us do it. And in fact, in verse 30, he says his yoke is easy. 
According to one Bible commentator, the word easy is in Greek krestos, which can mean well-fitting. In other words, the yoke was tailor-made to fit the ox. And author Warren Wisby agrees. He says, Jesus has just the yoke that is tailor-made for our lives and needs. And so what the Lord Jesus is offering, friends, is a replacement spiritual life. That is not the Old Testament law with loads of extras added on. Which is actually what you get in most religious systems like Roman Catholicism and the Jehovah's Witnesses. But what he's offering is a new way of living as a disciple teamed up with him. So we, quote, learn from him, as he says in verse 29. And he helps us to pull this light yoke. You know, this is a dream come true, isn't it? For anyone who wants to live God's way, but can't live up to lots of religious expectations. Jesus is saying, learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. Mr. Tasker, the Bible commentator, says to be a pupil of Jesus is to have a very gentle and humble-minded teacher who is never impatient with those who are slow to learn and never intolerant with those who stumble. (laughs) You know, it's a dream come true, isn't it? To be offered Christianity without the burden of religion. One person who really received the blessing and realised the blessing of this was former England striker Cyril Regis. When his friend Laurie Cunningham died in a car crash, he described it as a wake-up call to him. And so he spoke to a pastor about life and death and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, after a lengthy chat with a church minister, I realised God's love for me, shown by Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for my sins. By developing my relationship with Jesus through prayer and putting what the Bible says into practice, my faith grew deeper. Swearing went out the window straight away for me, but other issues took time. You don't become perfect overnight, and you never will until you get to heaven. Every morning we have to get on our knees and ask God for forgiveness for our wrongs. The wonderful thing about God is that he's a God of grace, and we can approach him daily And have a relationship with him. He says football is showbiz. And every temptation you could imagine is out there. But I just pray that every footballer. And everybody else. Meets Jesus during their life journey. And I say amen to that. I can understand in light of what I've learned. Why one little girl said. That feeling Jesus yoke on you. Is like God putting his arm around your shoulder. And helping you to live the Christian life. But I want you to notice, verse 29 says, take my yoke. He doesn't force it upon us. He invites us to take it. And in practical terms, that means once you've asked the Lord Jesus Christ to be your saviour, and you've accepted his invitation to come to him, you now start reading the Bible and praying to him. That's how you take his yoke upon you. So you can talk with him as you pray and he can talk with you as you read the Bible, which is actually how a relationship works, isn't it? By conversation. It's a two-way thing. And as you start to learn, he will show you what to do. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to accept his invitation to a relationship and a replacement to religion? 
Third thing I want you to see is Jesus is inviting us to a rest in verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know, if you go to St. Thomas's Church in Newport on the Isle of Wight, you will find a tomb there of Princess Elizabeth, who was the daughter of Charles I back in the 1600s. And over the tomb is a statue based on how they actually found her when she died in the nearby Carisbrook Castle, with her head not on a pillow, but on a Bible, open at these very words of the Lord Jesus. It was under her cheek, actually showing she was resting on the words that Jesus had said when she died. And that's very appropriate because the Lord Jesus is actually saying to us that he would give his disciples rest in this passage. But it wasn't so much physical rest he was talking about, but as he says at the end of verse 29, rest for your souls. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, he means rest from trying to be good enough to get to heaven. You know, some people are trying very hard to be good enough for God, aren't they? Good enough to get to heaven when they die. One person who was like this was a a former Muslim in Pakistan called John Parwes, who said this, Night and day I was engaged in observing the law of Islam, in the stated prayers, in private prayer, in vigils and so on. Yet I was also breaking the law and committing sins. Though I tried with all my might to do good actions, every day I committed some sin or other against God. The worst sin that I was guilty of was pride and conceit. For after worshipping God, I thought that I was holy while everyone else was a sinner. I began to be very troubled, wondering how I could be set free from sin and thinking that without good actions, I should surely go to hell. This fear was with me continually. I felt that I could not fulfill the law that had become a very heavy burden to me. That's what he said. You see, he was trying constantly to please God, but it left him with no peace. But you know what happened? He developed an eye problem and he had to go to hospital. And he went to a place called the Taxilla Christian Hospital, a missionary run hospital, where he not only got his eyes treated, but he also heard the invitation of the Lord Jesus Christ from the Bible, this very passage that we're looking at this morning. And he heard the preacher talking about it like I'm talking to you. And John Powers said, that verse changed my life. For I was burdened down by law and needed someone to lean on. In short, he left Islam and put his trust in the Lord Jesus instead. And that's when he found rest for his soul. He found relief from trying to be good enough. You see, friends, you'll never be good enough for God. You know that? Our best efforts can never meet his perfect standard. But when you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour, do you know what happens? He not only takes away your sin and pays for it on the cross so you don't have to go to hell when you die and pay for it yourself, but he gives you his own goodness, what the Bible calls righteousness, and puts it on your account in heaven. So when you do die and you go to meet God, 
He sees you in Jesus' perfect righteousness and he can let you in. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he has done for you. And I tell you, friends, when you know that, you can have rest for your souls. You can put your head on your pillow and die in peace like that lady, knowing that if you die tonight, you'll go to heaven and not to hell. Would you like to know that for yourself? You can do. One songwriter put it like this. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Lay down, O weary one, lay down your head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. And that's been true for myself and many others in this place who are here today. So why shouldn't it be true for you as well? You know, in the story of Uncle Tom's Cabin, which is a book I love, one of the Afro-American slaves hears these words from the Bible being read. And he says, them's good words, but who says them? But who says them? And you know, that's right, isn't it? That's what it all hangs on. If I promised you these things, it wouldn't mean anything. But who promises them? It's the Lord Jesus Christ who said them. Not the queen who invited Sir Cliff to the palace. Not, not John Eichen who invites you from the pulpit. But the Son of God who invites you to himself. Can I recommend that if you want to accept the invitation, you go to him in prayer. Like I've been trying to urge you to do all through the service. And put your trust in him. Ask him to forgive your sins. And give you his righteousness. Then follow him in the Bible. And he says, as he says, learn from him. Surely that is an invitation too good to refuse or ignore. Let's sing.